Hey guys, and welcome back to Lumis Maxima, the podcast with bright ideas about all things Harry Potter. I'm Sarah. And I'm Delaney, and we're your hostess with the most. This podcast will contain spoilers, mature language, adult themes, and a lot of opinions. Each week, we analyze Harry Potter themes, content, characters, and more. And we even do some extra stuff to keep it fun and fresh. Now that you know the deal, let's get into the real stuff in this week's episode. welcome you just heard our new intro segment for the first time ever Woo-hoo. i hope it sounds good <laughs> what was that sound? <laughs> i didn't make a sound did you make a sound you we're definitely so- made a sound oh god we're so bad at this anyway we are. that's why we just recorded a intro segment that sounds <laughs> a little bit better s- smooth and consistent excellent yeah. well i'm glad that we finally did that now that we're almost 30 episodes in but that's fine <laughs> you guys don't come for the audio quality you come Clearly. for this back and forth <laughs> anyway so we are back we are still in our death series and we are on part no our segment two part two of representative and character development deaths I realized when I was editing last week, I just said representative and character deaths like 30 times. So it's character, <laughs> character development. You don't say. Development. <laughs> yes, characters do in fact die, Sarah. That wow. is how it works. Mm-hmm. Anyway, last week we touched on one, two, three, four, five. Yes, five characters who we felt more of hit the character development type segments Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And then this week, we're kind of moving on to the representative deaths, and they are some heavy hitters, so we got some sad ones today. Yeah. Um, Imagine that sad one on a death series. (laughs) Sad people. Yeah, sad sad for the death. But (laughs) And characters dying. And characters dying. Also shocking. Shocking. These characters um, were, some of them, JK actually stated, were intended to elicit a certain emotional response, evoke Mm -hmm. some sort of connection. You see it as this particular way. Some of these are ones that we've kind of come up with from our own experiences with the deaths. Some of these deaths Delaney has just read, right? Like for the first Uh, time in print? For the first time in print, yes. Yeah, Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that's good. They're nice and fresh. Um, I also have been rereading six and I'm almost to the cave which is kind of towards the end of the book. So Mm -hmm. yes. So Half Blood Prince, you guys is so good. It might be my favorite book. It might be my favorite book. I don't remember what I said was my favorite book when we did a host Q and a, I think our our first episode, I think I said half blood. Yeah. Yeah. So, Oh, so good. So excited Mm -hmm, to reread. mm -hmm. If you guys haven't reread in a while. Yeah. I'm I'm about to read Dobby's death, which I'm not. not. Oh, Oh girl. You're going to be sad. (laughs) I know. I, so. <laughs> I got to the chapter and was about to listen to an audiobook, audiobook on the way to work. And I was like, mm, better not. No, we talked about this last week. Delaney has been yeah. listening to the saddest books possible in her car on the way to work. Girl, you need waterproof yeah. mascara if you're going to be doing that. Nah, nah, it's fine. I'll just, I'll just read those chapters at home. It's yes. Fine. Everything's so. fine. I'm fine. On to our long-standing, very popular segment, which people do actually submit content for every once in a while, which is very exciting. But here's mm-hmm. a little plug. If you have a weekly wizarding question that you want us to talk about, send it to us because we will talk about it. We have yeah. a finite amount. Well, we don't actually we have an infinite amount of questions, but we only have a finite list. So we'll just put it on the end <laughs> of the list. 
Um, so anyway, I'm really good at this today. My boy, we, I had clinical today and we played with kids in an after school program and I got oh, really God. competitive during our kickball game and my voice is a little raspy. <laughs> nice. And mine is just dealing with allergies and weather changes. Yeah, I'm, I'm not proud. So anyways, this week's weekly wizarding question is what percentage of the wizarding population actually has house elves? We only see three families with house elves. Is it still prevalent or is it dying out? Well, mm-hmm. we <laughs> there aren't that many wizarding families. So I feel no, I mean, like that's true. <laughs> even seeing only three families with it is still pretty prevalent. But we know the Weasleys want one but can't afford mm-hmm. one. Right. And we know that typically it's just old money families, like those pure-blooded families who seem to have them anymore. Right. Which kind of makes me think that it's dying out because Harry, like James Potter's family didn't have one as far as we know. It's never talked right. about at least. And right. the Weasleys don't have one. Now they don't have one because they're poor, but I also think that if they were wealthy, they would have a moral ob- like opposition to it. If yeah. it was actually presented to them, just because I feel like it's dying out. So yeah, I, I would say, I would say it's equal parts still prevalent and dying out because there aren't that many families, which means if only the pure blood families still have them, I think it's still a significant portion of the population, but generationally it's less and less of an appealing idea. Yeah. Does I that agree. make sense? Yeah. 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 I mean, and it, yeah, I mean, I mean it we seems... only see it with uh, we only see it with a few, and then we see it like a little bit at Hogwarts, but we don't see it like the Ministry, which kind of surprises me. I would expect the Ministry to have some, but they don't. Right, I would so... think they would have house elves doing all their petty errands and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. now I also don't know what the process is to get a house elf. Yeah, I feel so... like that most of them are all like passed down. So right, I don't know. exactly. So I maybe a lot of these families just never had enough money in the first place to have one. But like, where do you get a house? Do you buy? Th- this sounds so bad. Do you buy a house elf somewhere? Yeah. And are like, where do you get these house elves are? Are there like communities of free house elves? Like just right. chilling? Or, or is it just or like. Or are they dying out? I, I have no idea. Can, do they procreate? I don't know. How do you. Good. I have yeah. questions about the biological life cycle of a house elf. Me too. So, me too. <clears throat> so anyways, I would say prevalent, but also dying out. Just because. Yeah, of, like generationally. Right. Just because of the fact that there aren't that many wizarding families although i don't like internationally do other wizarding cultures have house elves we don't really get a whole lot of interaction with other ones but it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like anyone from germstring or the bobat academy are like opposed to it like they're not grieved by the fact that they're house elves at hogwarts we also don't get enough interaction to know really i guess yeah, and obviously in America, we don't see any house elves so far with the Fantastic Beast stuff. Ooh, interesting. I wonder if we... Yeah, we don't really get a lot of wizarding families no, so we much don't. either. Hmm. No, That'll be interesting. So anyway, <laughs> long story short, if you guys have any input on house elves, where they come from, prevalent, dying out, et cetera, et cetera, hit us up. We would love to know your opinion on it. Who? So that's all the light and fluffy for the day. (laughs) (laughs) Slavery, light and fluffy. Perfect. (laughs) That's, that's about as light and fluffy as it's going to get. Oh my God. I I can't. (laughs) We're, we're not good at empathy. (laughs) Okay. 
just uh, Delaney is better than I am, which is yeah, funny I because I'm gonna be a nurse. So fuck that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I deal with I deal with numbers empathy. all day. Yeah, she doesn't interact with people. So this okay, is really I do, good. but like not like the public. She only interacts with people who also crunch numbers. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> who this okay so like we said just a few moments ago these characters evoke some sort of emotion these are our more representative based deaths we told you who they were going to be we we told you who they were going to be last week but if you don't remember you're about to find out because our first one is albus dumbledore (sighs) old albus albus we we have had some great conversations online lately and with each other mm-hmm. about the complexity of the characters that are Severus Snape and Albus Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. So I will ask just briefly, do your feelings about Albus Dumbledore's death have anything to do with whether you saw him as an overall good or an overall like chaotic neutral kind of character? Like, Do you feel differently about him dying knowing kind of the not as great things he's done no i feel the same okay yeah i feel the same too there are a lot of people are like well eh you know he was kind of like manipulative and stuff and i'm like right but he was still like at heart at least a good person yeah i think um although lately i've been finding a lot of similarities between the dumb shit that albus dumbledore did as a child or like as a teenager as a young adult and the dumb shit severus snape does And I would like Mm -hmm. to say, for all of the Snape apologists out there, why do you not think that Albus Dumbledore's death is as brave as Snape's? Because Albus Dumbledore does literally exactly the same thing with his death as Snape does. But Mm -hmm. Albus Dumbledore doesn't do it because he feels guilty. He does it because it is a means to an end that is good. So you cannot say that Snape is so brave and easily the bravest man he's ever met because, you know, he sacrificed himself. Dumbledore planned his own fucking death to try and make the good come out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, Dumbledore's Mm -hmm. death is intended to elicit denial, which I think that's a pretty obvious one. Whether I don't I we didn't really write down which one these JK had said and which one she hasn't because she has talked Mm -hmm. about these character deaths, obviously. Her character deaths are very meaningful, but mm-hmm. I mean, Dumbledore is from book one, the strongest, the most powerful, the smartest, the cleverest, mm-hmm. the kookiest, but he is the only one that Voldemort has ever feared. It's said on multiple accounts, on multiple yep. occasions by multiple people. So we know that Dumbledore is like basically should live forever. He's also super yeah. fucking old. So he's already living forever and he has battled once in his life or we assume he had battled once in his life but i don't know fantastic beast is kind of fucking it up for us that he (laughs) fought a dark wizard who is i don't know i don't know who's scarier voldemort grindelwald who you got i'm personally more scared of grindelwald me too because he got the normal people involved okay yep Uh uh-huh yeah so it's 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 a more realistic fear yes so I mean, I know I personally had a lot of denial when I read Dumbledore's death and I was young and I was like, wait, there's no way that he just died because it's Dumbledore. Like he's going to, he can fly, right? He's just going to be like, oh, I'm fine. You know? Right. Yeah. (sighs) I mean, 
I mean, I, I experienced his death first in the movies and now reading it as well. I, so I already know he was going to die. So that denial part didn't happen for me, but I was Mm -hmm. able to experience how other characters denied like Hagrid. Great example of this denial. Like he completely just did not believe it at all. Harry was really the only character who didn't really have any denial with Dumbledore's death. And I think, and this has always been a question of mine, which I'll get to in a moment, but I think the reason that Harry didn't question it is because not only does he have, I mean, it was a little bit shaky at the point in which his death actually happened, but Harry has mm-hmm. pretty much 100% trust in Dumbledore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He believes that Dumbledore does things for a reason. He's pretty much blindly followed up until like his fifth or sixth year, everything Dumbledore has said. So yeah. he he's like, all right, well, if Dumbledore's dead, maybe there's a reason for it. But they've also just undergone an extremely traumatic event in which Dumbledore was weakened to a fraction of his actual ability. Right. And it's always begged the question for me, do you think that Dumbledore would have died had he not consumed whatever protective liquid was in the basin in the cave? Do you yes. think that he could be killed that easily? Just like Absolutely. A, a killing curse would do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I think the whole point was that he let it happen. Right. Oh, he definitely let it happen. You know, so I feel like either way, it, but, it would have killed so do him. You, do you think that he knew he was going to be weakened coming back from that Horcrux hunt? Do you think that he was anticipating being in a weak state? Um, I feel like he was anticipating being in a weak state, but I don't know if he was fully anticipating that all to happen right God, the sheer The sheer horror of the events. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then on top of the whole, you know, even the strongest can fall, it also shows me a little denial because, I mean, growing up, you assume that people can help you do things Mm -hmm. and people can do things for you in some instances and you don't need to do everything yourself. And this is a moment where you see that sometimes if you want to get the outcome that you want, you have to do something on your own. You have to plan it and you have to execute it and you have to accept whatever consequences and an outcome come your way which in this case is dying yeah and then on the flip side too uh the way i was thinking about um sometimes you have to do things on your own is that so harry believed up until uh up until dumbledore's death that he was going to be searching for these horcruxes with dumbledore Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it comes down on just him now he has to do this and he doesn't know anything about it he was really leaning on dumbledore to give him all this information about Voldemort and horcruxes and now he has to do it by himself and he wasn't expecting to so yes. that's kind of where I was going with that as well. Ugh. And I mean, this moment, we'll stop talking about Dumbledore in a minute, but <laughs> this moment was especially crippling for me because for the first time in six books, Dumbledore says something that indicates that he has confidence in what Harry's doing. He yes. says, I'm not worried because I'm with you, which up I until this it. point, we're like, oh, we're not worried because Harry's with Dumbledore. Now right. the rules are reversed, which that actually was some pretty heavy foreshadowing for me. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck, something's going to happen right now. For sure. But for sure, it's that that to me actually signaled that Harry was going to have to start doing things on his own because that was saying that Dumbledore felt more comfortable being with Harry than Harry should feel being with him, meaning Harry was now in charge. Yeah. And if Harry's in charge, something's going to happen. The whole thing was yeah. just rotten. I'm almost yeah. to these chapters now, and I'm mm-hmm. not ready for it. Yeah. I, I also, don't ugh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I also, one point I wanted to say, too, was that um, I think also one reason Harry is one of the only people who isn't in denial about Dumbledore's death is the fact that he just saw 
Dumbledore be the most human we've ever seen him when yes. he was drinking the potion. Oh my so gosh, I feel... he sees untold horrors of Dumbledore's mm-hmm. childhood and adolescence. Yeah. It's, I mean, they have they have some really, really terrifyingly close moments in the yeah. cave. And yeah. it is, it just, ugh. So, yeah, ugh. so I feel like it humanizes Dumbledore, so then ugh. it's yeah, much I mean, easier to believe that he is dead. Just chapters before, Dumbledore's, like, aghast that Harry would imply that he was going to leave the students of Hogwarts unprotected. I mean, queen of foreshadowing, first of all. Yeah, for real, though. But, for real. Okay. All right. We're going to move on because Anyways. it's taxing <laughs> to talk about Dumbledore. He yeah. will be a part of our character series, though. And we because also may have a guest come on. I know, you guys, we might have our first guest onto the podcast, so that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, Why did you just yeah. go into a Sarah Palin accent? Podcast. I can see Russia from my house. Um, <laughs> but oh, Dumbledore is, he, the older I get, the more and more gray he becomes. I still think that he's chaotic good. So. Mm. Yeah, I have yeah. a little bit more of an idealistic view still of Dumbledore, even even yeah. after knowing everything. Uh, I don't know. We'll talk about that when we get there. Moving mm-hmm. on to Dobby. <sighs> Dobby. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Dobby is, we love Dobby. Dobby's obviously plot device. Mm-hmm. But he's a good to, one. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a great one. And he's a character that we come to love because he has genuine love for the trio. He mm-hmm. wants them to be successful and happy. He reminds me in a lot of ways of Hagrid in yeah. terms of utility, like the utility of the character. Right. But Dobby is intended to elicit bargaining. Mm-hmm. He represents a death that you look at and say, he didn't deserve it. It wasn't his fight. Mm-hmm. It, it was someone who had lived a life of oppression, been freed from that oppression, felt great gratitude and affection towards the person who helped get him out of that situation, who was an integral part of this entire, I mean, we've known about him since Chamber of Secrets. It's been years now that we've been reading about him. Mm -hmm. And then he dies, one, he dies at the hands of someone we hate. And two, he dies doing something noble. And you're like, no, this was his moment to be like super clutch. Right. And to to kind of get that, oh, Dobby, you're our hero. And, you know, we're going to just really take care of you. And then he dies in the sand in Harry's <sighs> arms. And you're like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Yeah. I, I was almost more in denial about Dobby than Dumbledore, to be honest. I mean, Dumbledore had just a sheer aura of in just infinity to him. He, yeah. I saw him as a character who was too smart and too talented to have something happen. Mm-hmm. Dobby's character always felt just a little bit finite to me yeah. because he entered as a tool, which yeah. Dumbledore, I don't know, was really a tool to no, the he story. Wasn't a tool. He was I mean, he he obviously aided in the in the plot, but he wasn't intended to just be a tool. And we happened to get a ton of affection for Dobby, which made it really difficult because, you know, he's kind of like quirky. He's like the little brother that your mom makes you take everywhere. But like you love him and it's Mm -hmm. great. And he just he seemed finite. It's just the way in which he died that you thought yeah. it was something it was so undeserved. Yes. Yeah. I guess that yeah. you really do bargain with it. And you're like, because I, I mean, I felt this way with Sirius, too. Oh, yes, A little mm-hmm. bit with mm-hmm. the bargaining. And I mean, Sirius, I definitely had more disbelief. Yeah. With Sirius. Sirius a lot of disbelief. Because yeah. 
serious although i always felt like Sirius's lifestyle was going to get him killed right but the way he died even harry like it was presented as like is he dead or is he not right is he even dead like we're just not sure and like oh my gosh this character died after so much and not to say that dobby didn't have a really hard life that he had gotten through but it's just it was just a character it was almost like with cedric like there was no reason for it right you know i mean there were reasons but the character was not deserving of that death Right. And Agreed. that was really difficult. And I mean, who's going to fill all those plot device roles? Uh, Moaning Myrtle. <laughs> Does she do a whole lot in the seventh no. book? No, <laughs> not at all. No, I don't, I don't know who even, I guess Hermione just starts to fill that. She just knows everything that's around all the time. Yeah. So, <laughs> so rest in peace, little man. I mean, you're bargaining, but it's also just a super, it's a sweet but bittersweet moment because yeah. you've got two wizards digging a grave and giving him socks and like it's just heartbreaking. It is. It's heartbreaking. Just, it's just cruel. It's just cruel. It was. It is cruel. And I think that's what makes it something that we bargained about so much. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh, one that I don't know was cruel, but like I took it pretty hard, and that's Mad Eye Moody. Me too. Um, Me too. And this was, this is Delaney's line and I love it, but he elicits that sometimes you just can't be vigilant enough. Yeah. So Mad-Eye Moody is the most paranoid person for obviously good reason. Mm -hmm. And he, his thing is constant vigilance and you can never slip up. And I don't even know that it was through any fault of his own that he died, but like, I don't know that he wasn't doing all the right things, but it just proves that in times like war war times mm-hmm. you just can't do enough to be safe and i mean yeah moody is easily one of the most talented aurors of his time i mean mm-hmm. he's he's renowned and he it's just you're like you just you couldn't have looked three times instead of two like what was it that was his pitfall Right. Because, and, because he is constant vigilance. Yeah, and I actually think that his pitfall pitfall was the fact that he wasn't careful enough in who he was trusting. So he brought um, what's his face, Mundungus, and Ugh. and and Moody died because Mundungus left. You know, so yeah, but but yeah, yeah, be careful. Yeah, exactly. So I think that that was something that his death also represents, and actually, it's it's brought up by the characters as well, is that they. Moody would have wanted them to learn from his death to be careful who you trust and that sometimes you can't always prepare for everything um yeah and Moody's death actually I mean in addition to this whole representation of of vigilance Mm -hmm. he brought about some really really trying times for the order because Harry's like all right well like this happened to Moody so what are we doing with Snape like we do not trust him Right. Not even a little. And everyone's like, no, we trust him. And he's like, but really, we don't trust him. Right. And they're like, no, we do. And he's like, Moody just died because he trusted the wrong person. Like, can we not play this game with Snape anymore? Yeah. I mean, at this point, they're all kind of like, they don't trust Snape. But at the same time, they're not really going after Snape, which I didn't really understand. I never understood that. I feel like it would have been not easy, but easy to kill Snape. Like he wasn't, he wouldn't be expecting it. He was kind of doing the whole double agent thing. The order kind of thought he was on their side. Dumbledore trusted him. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't I don't know if it would have been easy or not, but, like, nobody even tried. Like, nobody even gave it a second thought. Like, they, they set up the booby trap for him at um, Grimmauld Place, and that was it. Like, they it, just 
it wasn't even a good booby trap though like no, it what wasn't. what would have happened like oh the ghost is yelling at me ah. yeah and all he had and, to, all they had to say was like okay it wasn't me and then like everything was done and it was gone like what yeah <laughs> so anyway <laughs> we'll talk a lot about snape in the coming weeks oh yeah. um oh now i'm sad so this fred, one's rough yeah fred weasley i think one of the most difficult deaths for me mm-hmm. not uh necessarily because of what i did to harry but just because it was a character that i had true genuine affection for and yeah. this was one of the most unjustified deaths for me absolutely i and felt we'll like talk her... more about it next week yes i felt like her reasoning for it was super weak but yeah. he elicits guilt And I definitely felt guilt when he died because you're thinking, I mean, out of all the Weasleys, this is the one you kill, which actually we would have been. (laughs) It's something that JK talks about. So she she says that she killed off one of the Weasleys because originally Arthur was going to die. Yeah. Bad, Mm -hmm. bad juju. And then and then she was going to let them all live. But it wasn't realistic because it was too it was wartime. There was no way that all these people would survive. And she looked at the cast of Weasleys and felt like any other Weasley was either too soft or too much. So killing Percy, Bill or Charlie, although we like Bill and Charlie, it wouldn't have mattered as much. Right. Mm -hmm. But then again, killing Ron, Ginny, Molly or Arthur would have been too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the twins fell somewhere in this like happy medium, which I don't know. I love the twins. They're Me too. Easily and at the top of my favorite character list. And there's something about splitting up the twins that just hurts. That ju- right. And so she used Fred in two main ways. One was to shock readers mm-hmm. because I mean they're the Weasley twins. They're happy go lucky. They're you know they always kind of find their way out of things. And then she used it to show the quote true darkness of war and i thought that i mean brilliant obviously Mm -hmm. love her but the weasley twins are the only thing that's happy funny or laughing based about the books five through seven right so to pretty much kill off half of the sunshine that's tough yeah Yeah. that's tough and this is such a strong family-based loss for harry he loves the twins he is he's invested in the twins both financially and emotionally yeah he Mm -hmm. the twins have always been i think more of a brother figure than ron because ron truly is his best friend Mm -hmm. and they maybe like brothers but the weasley twins are like older brothers for harry they kind of pick on him they kind of give him girl advice they play sports with him like they're fun and they're energetic and they add a lot of value Mm-hmm. That's just basic happiness value that's so important. Yeah. And then, I mean, Harry obviously sees the Weasley as his family. Yep. And he gives them all of his winnings so that they can open their joke shop. I mean, he cares so deeply about the twins. Yeah. And, and I, I think this is also one of the hardest losses um, because, like Cedric, we see the grief of the other family members that just oh yes i mean hurts seeing molly weasley lose it is like particularly because we know what her boggart is this is her literal worst nightmare this is her literal hell and then the worst for me is seeing george oh god because i i mean there's something fundamentally unnatural about separating twins or one Mm -hmm. twin dying just even though twins are unique individuals 
they it's are still... a twin. It's yeah. there's something just fundamentally so unnatural. Yeah. Just against the laws of nature to do this and to show that war is powerful enough to kind of sever the laws of nature is so profound, I think. Yeah. So and, profound. And I actually I don't know if I read the interview or saw it, but like one of the twins who plays the Weasley twins during that scene actually lost it because totally imagine his brother dying and that was like all real emotion he was yeah so he said he was a wreck he couldn't it was really bad so and and then like I mean on top of all the just the shit for the Weasleys that this makes happen it's just so hard for Harry this is his family member this is someone Mm -hmm. he deeply cares about so on top of all of the things that he's going through He's now lost another person super close to him. He loses Sirius in book five. And then he loses, I mean, he loses a lot of people in seven. But this yeah. is like, this is family. And that just and makes also, it that much harder. Yeah. And I also think tying it back to guilt is that for some reason, Harry always, even up until the end, thinks all these people died for me. When that isn't the case, corrects him multiple times. Like, they're dying for the cause, but at the same time, Harry still feels guilt that he feels like these people, particularly the Weasleys, are putting themselves in danger and dying mm-hmm. for him. So the and, fact that Fred dies is like, ugh. And I mean, Yikes. this is also the manifestation of Ron's horror because his big debate in the end of six, the beginning, well, all of seven, is that mm-hmm. he has a family. Unlike Harry and Hermione, who Harry doesn't really have family, and Hermione's really able to put space between her and her family. Ron mm-hmm. has a really close-knit family who's deeply involved in the wizarding world. And he struggles with whether or not they should all just kind of disappear for a while. So yeah. having this be the culmination of his fear just has to be the worst. Because even though the twins gave him so much shit, they were family. They loved yeah. each other. I mean, it's just, it's sad. It is really sad. It's sad. We'll get into more of that when we do the unjustified and justified deaths, though. Yeah. You know what's not sad? Severus Snape. <laughs> Severus Snape stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah, you guys have heard us rant about it, so we'll try and keep this as kosher as we can, but... We're also going to have a larger rant, <laughs> oh, so... Yeah. Well, we can save it for later. But yeah. Snape elicits a sense of acceptance, which mm-hmm. I think is very fitting for his character. And I think so, too. Something that I read recently, there it was a great article, which we will talk more about in our Snape episode, but it's, it's culmination of all of the, is Snape good, is Snape bad, is that Snape, Severus Snape as a character probably never wanted to be redeemed because that just wasn't the type of person that he was not what he was going for he wasn't looking to be accepted by anyone he wasn't looking to be redeemed really he was just being himself and good or bad his character probably didn't give a shit on whether or not we felt like he did it for the right reasons because that just wasn't the mindset that he had Right. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, we get, we get a lot of acceptance from Snape's death because for an overwhelming amount of people, and I can say that because there was a poll done and it was like 450 to like 60 thought that Snape was a bad person, but yeah. sometimes bad people can do a good thing, but right. doing that good thing doesn't redeem the person. It just right. is a singularly good deed. Yeah. And the, the thought is not necessarily what counts in these situations is the action because Snape didn't do this for the quote right reasons. No. He, uh-uh. he did it because it was a decision that had to be made 
And it was something that he could do. And I mean, honestly, I don't know that Snape had a whole lot to live for. People are like, what's well, so tragic? I'm like, I don't know. I kind of feel like he wanted to die. He, yeah, I he, feel like this was all leading up to that. Yeah. Yes, I feel like this was, I mean, he chose his death from the moment that he went to Dumbledore and said, I'm so distraught that Lily's dead. Like he knew yeah. shit was not going to end well. So no. you just. And this was all for selfish reasons. Oh, very selfish. But Snape is, I mean, he, I, we obviously on this podcast think he's not a good person, but we mm-hmm. do agree that he did something that was good. Oh, yeah. And. Uh-huh. I mean, if you set aside if he did it for the right reason, he did it for the wrong reason, whatever the reasoning was, he did something good. And that brings acceptance to the fact that these characters who there are a lot of characters, characters who are morally ambiguous or even kind of morally bad or Mm -hmm. who have a lot of redemption that they need to do. And this kind of gives acceptance that those characters can still do something profound and that profound thing can be through their death. Yep. Which is difficult to accept that you have to die to be redeemed but i mean honestly in snape's case i don't know what else would have redeemed him yeah and it wasn't necessarily his death i feel it was everything leading up to his death his death right yeah it was it was more of the choices that led him to his death his death right seals it off though right yeah Yeah, it definitely it it gave closure to his story which yeah i I think it gave closure to a lot of stories it gave closure to harry ultimately i mean snape's death and what he learns from snape after his death leads Harry to be able to go do what he needs to do thinking he's going to die, which he thinks is closure. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And it, I like that Snape dies and Mm -hmm. that might sound weird, but it gave me the ability to process his character because had he lived, I don't really know what she would have made him be like, because I just don't see her writing him any differently than like personality wise than he already was. No. So he would have just continued to be kind of a shit guy yeah. and kind of a shit world who did a lot of bad things. And it, I think it gave him a really, really human aspect because yeah. a lot of what we see Snape do is, is not good. Right. You look at him and you think he is cold and uncaring and a bully. And, and a you lot would be of, right. <laughs> right. And he is. So this was just, it was a human element that kind of showed that although I think Snape definitely made a lot of choices to live in his own misery, he eventually was able to make a good choice. And that good choice helped me to accept his character because Mm -hmm. otherwise I think there would have just been a lot of hate for his character, Yeah, which his character is beautifully complex and it would have been a, it would have been a disservice to just let us hate his character. But I think by killing him, especially in this way, we're able to process who he was, accept who he was, and, you know, acknowledge that shit people do good things, good people do bad things. This is the duality of man in this concept, exactly in this. Yeah. And I, yeah, I was going to say, I think that um, Severus Snape's death is what allows him to be such a complex character. I think mm-hmm. that, I think that if he hadn't have died from the choices he made, like you said, we would have been like questioning the whole time. I don't think that his choices would have seemed so honorable or brave if he hadn't have sacrificed his life in the process. Agree. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think it's the only reason that some people can even say that he's redeemable is because he sacrificed his life. Oh, absolutely. It's Snape the only thing that die. can lead it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone's saying he's redeemed. So mm-hmm. good job dying. Yeah. Bad job. <laughs> bad job dying. Alan Rickman. <laughs> Bad, bad oh, Alan. different, different. Yeah, no, no, different, no, 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 different, no. different. So, on that note, 
here's what your hosts are loving this week. <laughs> Snape die. No. Snape die. No. So that actually does, before we get into what we're loving this week, that kind of wraps up our representative and character dust. This is our part two. If you want to hear about the characters, Lillian James Potter, Cedric Diggory, Hedwood, Lupin and Tonks, and Sirius Black, that's in our part one. Um, there are obviously, like always, characters that didn't get included who could have easily fit in these categories. But if you feel like we've done a terrible disservice or there are people who should have been included, hit us up. We would love to talk about it next episode before we get into our unjustified justified. Is that mm-hmm. next? That's that next. is next. Yeah. Yep. So now that we've said that, here's what your hosts are loving this week. <laughs> I'm loving easy to care for houseplants. The thing is, you say that, oh, I've been wanting to get some houseplants. Houseplants? I gotta say, I always thought that houseplants were, like, mm, kind of something that old people did and exclusively ferns. That is wrong. <laughs> um, ferns. I, my mom got me – now I can't think of what it is. Of course It's you can. not a poinsettia. It's that other plant that they do at Christmas. It's – it's a thing. <laughs> it's – it's a – it's – I don't know. They're red, I guess. They They're come in red. a big bulb. I can't think – azaleas maybe no it's i'm not, not really azaleas. sure it's definitely not azaleas. no those are all i don't ones. okay well i don't know what it is um... but but i didn't kill it and ours was beautiful and now nice. it's starting to re because they're annual perennials uh... annuals whatever's um so it's starting to just leaf and then it'll be another one and i didn't kill it unfortunately sitting on my mantle next to it is a cactus that i've killed nice yes yeah, so the drought resistant weather resistant long-standing desert beauty cactus is dead in my home um but i am thinking about getting a collection of really small succulents because they only require like a drop or two of water yeah and they just they just have the best little staging areas for them now like the little geometric hanging boxes and shit Mm -hmm. so i might get a couple because i'm hoping if i give them my carbon dioxide they'll give me better oxygen and help me be a just a happier person yeah just so you guys know, science has actually proven that people with houseplants are happier. Yeah. So. I want some succulents. Yeah, succulents. Mm-hmm. And they're cute. I mean, you look at they them and you're like, cute. oh, tiny. You're a tiny plant. Yeah. So. I used to not really like them, but now I do. So. I thought they were the lamest thing in the world. I was like, why would I want one more living thing that I can kill? Yeah. But, yeah. So what are you loving this week? Uh, totally unrelated and not nearly as important. Um, I've been loving this for a while. But for some reason this week, I've just talked to, like, 5,000 different people about it. And it's Ariana Grande's new album. Thank you, Next. And oh, see, that's I... funny. I say Ariana Grande. Mm, I don't know which one's right, but. I don't either. Whatever. Who cares? Um, but, ooh, I've talked to, like, a couple people about it. Like, it is full of bops. I love it. So this is the hard part for me with Ariana Grande's music. I don't, like, love it, but it's really catchy. Like, I don't mm-hmm. necessarily like her as an artist. I don't know that she's anything particularly special. I think she's, like, pretty talented yeah. in some ways. So but... so here's my thing. I've always I've, – I've, I've felt that way for a long time, but she's very talented. But yeah. this album, like, particularly the song Ghostin about Mac Miller Ghostin. is incredible. Uh, see, kind of the reason I don't, I am a huge Mac Miller fan. Yeah, that's I, why I mentioned it. I've been a huge Mac Miller fan for, I don't even know, I'm 23 now, so over a decade. Mm-hmm. And the whole way that things went down for them, at least from, you know, obviously what we know as the outsiders, which is like, who even knows if it's true or not, mm-hmm. just left a really bad taste in my mouth. And I don't at all want people to take this as a statement that I'm saying, 
she as the woman was responsible for his addiction and emotional stability and she should have been able to cure him of it no that's not it um i think that there is a certain amount of public grieving that artists do and so writing songs about him may be appropriate i don't know that releasing those songs though is appropriate because it kind of feels like she's cashing out on his suicide which i think is shitty I mean, if she really loved him and she was really grieving about it, I don't know that those songs would be released now in See, so so close to his death. I don't I don't feel that way. I feel like it's art. I feel like it's I mean, oh, it's, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, I don't feel like that. I totally get it, though. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I, like... I can see it. You know, if it's five years mm-hmm. and she releases it, that's one thing. But it just seems like. I don't know. It's but, too but coincidental for I, me. I feel that. But if you go listen to the song, you can you can tell how. I mean, I would hope she would be she sad. Yeah. yeah, I would hope she would be upset. Yeah. It's a tragic situation. I don't think anyone should cash out on it. I think a no. lot of people have. Yeah. But I don't know. The whole thing with them just left a bad taste in my mouth. I get that. Um, I get that. Not that I at all think that she was responsible for his actions. Women are not responsible for the independent actions of men, guys. No, let's not even just a get that let's just get that clear. But also, I don't know. I think she's kind of annoying, so whatever. See, I, I used to think that, but recently I still think that her music is I like catchy her more. as fuck. Yeah. But just go but yeah, just just go listen to some of her songs. Like Needy I, and Ghostin are incredible. I do feel like she plagiarized some serious Christmas carols, but that's fine. Well, yeah. But, yeah. But, okay. but, but the <laughs> album's great. It's her best ever, for sure. Yeah. Yes. Oh, no. So I, it's on my workout playlist. Like, it's super catchy. Mm-hmm. Super mm-hmm. catchy. I regret it. It's just like Cardi B. I hate her. I don't like her Cardi music, B. Her music is so good to work out to. Yeah. Anyway. But, see, but see, Ariana Grande has some on her new album that are not that are like really slow and like pretty lyrics and everything mm, about it i'm about it are Ain't you it. saying cardi b doesn't have pretty lyrics that's exactly what i'm saying yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> okay so glad that we have that conversation <laughs> maybe we should have like a a lumos maxima after dark episode where we don't talk about harry potter stuff and we see if people still listen to it yeah why not uh, anyway we'd call it Knox. get it oh bitch. lumos maxima after dark Ah. Uh, Uh, nice so anyways so anyways thank you guys so much for tuning in again this week we have had what is mathematically called exponential growth for our podcast over the Mm -hmm. last several months yeah we have doubled or tripled the amount of plays that we've been getting and it's been super exciting because that means that the podcast is growing more people are listening we're interacting with more people we're getting feedback from more people and we love it because these are obviously topics that we are very passionate about and bringing it to you guys and sharing it with you guys is amazing so but, but also side note if you know of a never podcast or something that posted about us let us know because we're curious yeah we're trying to figure out who the fuck is listening um <laughs> honestly though <laughs> we like we love the growth and one of the ways that we keep growing is to get more listeners and to do that we would love it if people shared the podcast with a friend a family member a fellow potterhead whatever it may be I'm going to say Potterhead because Pothead, I don't know. We're going to go with Potterheads. You can also show support for the podcast and help bump us up on those weird algorithms that all the listening platforms have by liking the podcast, rating the podcast, reviewing the podcast, and giving the podcast stars, subscribing, all that jazz. Especially on the Apple podcast, leaving reviews is essential to helping Mm -hmm. us reach more people. And I don't know about you guys, but when I 
go to a new podcast that I think I might want to listen to, the first thing I do is read the reviews to see if people like the podcast, if it's structured well, if it's consistent, all that stuff. I Mm -hmm. never listen to what the podcast says. I always listen to what the reviews say before I actually physically listen to it. So so just leaving a review, leaving a rating five stars would be amazing. (laughs) And we will read it. We will read it. And hit five stars. And hit five stars. I mean, we'll take four. We'll question you about it, but we'll take it. <laughs> um, you can interact with us on so many things. In addition to the reviews, which you can interact with us there, so you should do it. You can also reach out to us on social media. We're on Twitter at Lumos Maxima Pod. We're on Instagram at Lumos Maxima Podcast. And you can get us um, by email at Lumos Maxima Podcast at gmail.com. We check them all and we interact with people on there on a daily basis. And we're way more active than we were last year so there's updates and all sorts of fun stuff and we have a huge huge can you hear me clapping huge 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 <laughs> uh super exciting announcement coming up i don't know sometime in the next couple weeks i would think so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. definitely stay tuned and stay hyped for that yep yep all that what, all do, you, that what do you think did i hit it all yeah i think you did oh my gosh then awesome we will catch you guys next week for part three no segment crap okay we'll catch you guys next week for our death series segment three part one part one of justified and unjustified deaths it's gonna be gripping (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be riveting i don't know i feel like i use the word riveting a lot i tried out gripping i don't think i like it i'm going back to riveting (laughs) so thank you guys so much for listening and we will catch you next week Bye. Bye.